When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is the HTML All The Things Podcast. This episode is titled, Why Is The Web Developer Job Market So Tough Right Now? And this is also the time we're going to announce that we are now becoming an economic podcast. We're going to be talking about the economy full time. We're going to be constantly on the air screaming about a recession. We're going to be this like that is mad financial money advice. This is, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in reality, this is not financial advice. But I'll be like that mad money guy dinging that bell. I forget why he did that, but dinging that bell. And I'll just be screaming about a recession all the time. I won't give any financial advice other than there's a recession coming. Thank you for this episode. But anyway, if that sounds a sync to you. And this, and do you want to support the show? You can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review, a rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server, or share this with your friends. Mike is back. Mike is back. Mike I, is back. I was going to introduce you more, and then I just blanked and yeah, then just, just looked stopped. at you. Yeah, I love it. Um, did you mention in? I haven't listened to your solo episode. Did you mention why I was out? No, no, I have not. Okay, so I can announce uh, on my own. So yeah, I was gone for a couple weeks. Uh, Matt took took over, did a solo episode. We recorded a couple extra episodes before that. So thankfully, it was pretty seamless. But uh, yeah, I'd like to announce that uh, my first kid was born, um, daughter Lily. Everything went well. It's uh, currently like working on probably zero sleep. So bear with me on this first podcast episode recording. Uh, but yeah, everything is great, and we're kind of getting into the vibe of being parents and learning as we go. Definitely a lot to learn, (laughs) a lot more than I expected even, but uh, it's been fun. Honestly, it's actually been a a great time and uh, I'm really thankful that I had a a few weeks or and I still have a couple more weeks of uh, kind of paternity leave. So it's been a really good time. But with that, let's get into the job market for developers. I think I just want to kind of start with an introduction and say that this is not going to be like a doom and gloom episode. This isn't about telling you that, okay, we're screwed. You shouldn't be in the market right now. Everything is bad. You know, get out and start becoming like a plumber or whatever. No, that's not the point of this episode. I just want to set expectations as much as possible. I want to put it out there so that people know that maybe like if their expectations were from the tech boom COVID era, that they need to like lower them a little bit and adjust their mindset on how they apply to jobs, on how they learn up, learn skills, on how they switch jobs and stuff like that. It is a little bit of a different market right now than it was at that time. First of all, the market that was, right? The market that created this massive tech boom that everyone was joining and everyone was becoming a developer during the, you know, the lockdowns and during the work from home era. Um, that was an anomaly. I want to point that out. Like that has never happened before to that extent. So yes, it was a crazy situation where a junior developer was all like 
all of a sudden getting hired for $130,000 a year out of a boot camp right away. And people were fighting over developers and like companies were just throwing money into development and just trying to get as many developers as possible. Like that was not a sustainable way for our industry to grow. So the fact that we're kind of going in a different direction and slowing down a little bit right now isn't necessarily a bad thing, in my opinion. I think it's a more sustainable method. And even even having said that, I think there there is some room for even more sustainability, even more of a slowdown and still allow you to get a job in the industry. Right. Like I'm not saying that this is like an impossible it's impossible to get into the industry because that's not true. People are still becoming junior developers, learning how to go networking and getting in. Like that's happening today. Yes, it's a little bit harder, but it's not impossible. And it's still on probably on the same level, if not easier than it was before this tech boom was happening. So again, I will be talking about a little bit of a you know downturn, but that's not to say that you should stop trying to become a developer. That's what I wanted to kind of go at. The other thing that I want to mention is that I'm not going to be diving in too much into AI in this episode. I know a lot of people think that AI is causing this downturn. And I, from all of the research that I've done, from all the people that I've spoken to, I don't see AI as making any impact at all currently in the job market. As of today, I want to say, maybe in like a year or two, still possible. But as of today, AI is not really replacing developer jobs. It's augmenting them to a certain point, but it's not having a significant impact on the market from everything that I've looked at. I actually have a question about that in particular. Sure. So I see a lot, obviously, of Twitter threads and articles and, you know, whatever else, a whole bunch of content, really, about AI doing things like, hey, you know, use this AI to generate your LinkedIn professional profile picture. Use AI to generate posters. Use AI to edit your photos. The list goes on and on and on. Write your articles and all that stuff. How much should we be kind of filtering that as spam because it's kind of getting to the point that web three got to where web three, when it was, when crypto was blowing up, it got pretty wild. Everyone was talking about web three, then the crypto crash comes and it just disappears. And so a lot of that stuff is not going to be, you know, searched for or Googled anymore. Are these AI tools still kind of spammy and scammy or can I really automate not a developer like you're saying, obviously, but something like, can I, very easily automate a pipeline of some sort, like a give it a text prompt to generate me a thumbnail and then that thumbnail e- and emails it to me and I use that thumbnail on my Instagram post or something. It, are these are these real tools that are well thought out or are we still at in like such an infancy that even that is not that well thought out? Yeah, in terms of a pipeline like that you just described, I don't see AI filling that pipeline right now, like being able to generate a good thumbnail with the right titles and stuff like that and 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 putting that into your like day to day um but it it does help augment a lot of things content creation like you know getting ideas out there formulating your thoughts uh figuring out certain things like it it does do a lot right now right like i'm not saying i'm not throwing it out the window uh but you're right in the sense that it is way overhyped in all of these twitter threads of like top 10 AI tools that will change your life, like use them, try it. 90% of them have a free tier, right? A really, really limited free tier, but try it and see if you can actually do anything with it that helps you. I'm sure that there's a few out there that will, again, you can add to your pipeline that will augment and maybe make something more 
like quicker or easier or better. But I can almost guarantee you that you will be disappointed in most of the tools that you're going to try right now. A lot of them are half-baked. A lot of them have very clear issues. Um, for instance, like I was, I've been trying a few podcast tools, right? Like that will take our podcast and create a transcript from it. And then we'll create like highlights of that, of the podcast and stuff like that. So from, from there, like the transcript creation, not bad. Okay. So that, that's been around for a while now. Like that wasn't really a chat GPT thing. The thing that's new is like highlights and, uh, you know, you know, snippets of the episode that you can use for like, um, for other content like Twitter threads and maybe creating short form content on TikTok. I haven't found a service. I've tried three. I have not found a service that can do that in any sort of reliable manner that would augment my, um, our, our workflow, Matt. So. That's been my personal experience. Um, and I've been up to date with it as of like last month. I know, for instance, like West Boss, he's really far into it right now where he's like spun up his own, uh, LLM based on his, uh, based on the syntax podcast. Like he put a lot of time and effort into it. I'm not sure how far he's gotten there, but he's putting, I, I would like, if you're more interested in finding that out, I think syntax has a few episodes on that now where they could uh where they're talking about like the actual implications of AI for the podcast specifically and I think he has gotten some useful information from it but again this is not something where he's just found a tool and is able to use it this is something where he's had to put in his own effort his own time and his own like AI programming experience now into creating a tool that specifically helps them with the podcast so it's not somewhere where it's like top 10 AI tool will all of a sudden change their life yeah, because right now we have, say, no-code tools that can make websites, and they can make them pretty well. But the early no-code tools were pretty rough. And even to even to this day, there's obviously rough edges around a lot of no-code tools. AI is so new at this point that you kind of can't have that equivalent experience. You can't have the matured tool yet, even though all the Twitter threads all say, you know, these are going to change your life and it's going to be great. I mean, maybe for like 1% of their audience or something, but it's good to know. And I mean, and it also speaks to your point where, you know, developer jobs at where we're at currently is aren't going anywhere just because look how much people have, look how much human effort goes into getting these things to work if they work at all. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, yeah, having said that, again, disclaimer on the AI stuff, disclaimer on the fact that it's not doom and gloom. I do want to jump quickly into the current job market. So I want to lay the lay, lay the land of like where we're at right now with the job market, right? So most large tech companies, Alphabet, Google, Meta, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, et cetera, the fangs or the mangs of the world have instituted either hiring slowdowns or hiring freezes completely, right? So... They're not bringing on developers at anywhere close to the rate they were two years ago or even a year ago. Okay. So that definitely has affected the job market, right? So that has slowed down how people can get into the industry or how people can go to jump jobs in the industry and stuff like that. They've also obviously also had layoffs. Um, there's been like 10% layoffs, 6% layoffs, 12% layoffs, like all across the board, all these larger tech companies have laid off a portion of their developers. Okay. So now there's, you know, more people in the job market. Obviously that's going to saturate it a little bit more. Uh, the other thing that's happening is the VC, the VC funding is drying up as well with higher interest rates. It's harder to get loans or it's less, uh, 
beneficial to grab a loan with a really high interest rate, right? Because you have to pay back that interest. So startups are having a harder time raising capital. So another way for developers to get jobs, especially early on, is joining a startup that is slowing down. Not to not stop. There's still startups going and there's still startups getting funding. It's just slowing down because of the higher interest rates and the market in general kind of going down. And overhiring happened. Okay, so all this, like, yes, large tech companies, VC funding, and then overhiring during the pandemic, during the 2019 to 2022 rush, tech rush, uh, there was a crazy amount of hiring done. And I'll just put it into perspective. There's a CNN article that I'll link in the show notes that has some great charts here. But major tech companies that grew in a three-year period, 2019 to 2022, Amazon doubled their size. So they, they, grow, they grew 106%. <laughs> In a three-year period, okay, and they were already a massive company, massive company, right? Actually, so we to- we see this, we've seen this locally because they've. I've never seen an Amazon facility in my life, and now there are two massive Amazon facilities just down the road. Correct. That's what I mean. That's like, okay. So, and when I say grow, this is not all just tech people. This is not all just developers. This is part of it is the warehousing staff. And that's a big part of it. But a lot, a large part of it is also developers. So they grew their development staff by significant amounts too. Like they started in 2019 at 750 K and now they're at 1.5 million or yeah, in 2022, they were at 1.5 million. So like that not sustainable. I was saying earlier on how the market Exploded, not sustainable growth, okay? Meta, pretty much the same thing. Facebook, Meta, 103% growth. It's crazy. And I mean, like there, there's no staff, there's no uh, warehousing. That's a, a lot of that is tech jobs. Snap, Snapchat, uh, 96% growth. Salesforce, 67% growth. Alphabet, 40, 64% growth. Like Twitter, Microsoft, everyone grew like crazy during the pandemic, okay? All these tech companies grew out of control. So again, the the job market was completely different than what we've ever seen in tech. You were literally like there were there was a time when you would finish your six month boot camp or three month boot camp and you were getting headhunted out of the boot camp as a junior developer. So that there was a time that that was happening. Now you had to be in the perfect time and the perfect place, but that was happening. It's not really there right now. So you're probably like a three-month, six-month boot camp is not going to land you a job guaranteed. There are still people getting jobs, I'm sure. But it's not something that's like prevalent. I'm sure if you go to boot camps that had that job guarantee or job percentage that was really high, they've taken that information off. Or if they haven't, they will soon. Because the chances of you getting a job right out of a boot camp have lowered significantly since the pandemic. So that's where we're at in kind of the landscape. Again, layoffs. So there's a saturated market. Uh, we have a lot of companies that overhired. We have VC funding drying up. So there is some turbulence. Okay. It's not, we're not in a perfect economical situation. We're not in a perfect tech situation. Stuff is going on, which is again, I, I needed to like, I wanted to lay this out for everyone to understand at least mindset wise, why they might be having a trouble getting that first interview. Or why there might having tr- be trouble getting the first job after having gone through a bunch of interviews. It's not that easy and you have to just keep going. So the why, right? So I just laid the landscape, but I do want to talk about some other little intricacies about what's going on in the industry that will affect the situation with jobs. 
So the landscape we described has other factors, right? The job market seems tougher than it is, than it usually is. With remote work taking center stage during the pandemic, companies decided or not even decided, but like inherently started looking outside of their little bubble of space. So if they were, you know, only looking in Ohio, they all of a sudden had the chance to start looking in anywhere. And inherently what will happen is they'll try to find cheaper labor. That's capitalism 101, right? So they'll just go across the pond somewhere and find developers that will work for less money than the developers in their local area. And that happened more often than before because of all these tools that were helping remote work of the force factor of having to do remote work. So companies were starting to, even before the, uh, the pandemic, people, companies were doing this on, on mass. But during the pandemic, this increased crazily because managers started to understand how to manage remote teams better. Everyone started to adapt to that. So it just started to make sense. So now not only are you competing with local developers in your industry are competing with developers across the pond from India, from Ukraine, from Singapore, like whatever, right? And in, in a cheaper sense. And then with high interest rates, the infinite money faucets have been turned off. I've mentioned that before. So it's not possible to infinitely hire developers. How companies were doing this, like a hundred percent increase, like for, for Amazon, for Microsoft, for like for Google, not a hundred percent, but it was like 64%. A lot of times they were increasing because their share prices were going up. So they had to show their uh, boards that they were growing with the share prices. So what the only way to do that is to show that they're building new things. And the only way to do that is to hire more developers that quote unquote build new things. But the problem is, is that you don't might not have all these ideas that are guaranteed to generate income for these developers to work on. So what happens is a lot of times you'll go in to start working on skunkworks projects, projects that Maybe you don't even expect to ever see the light of day, just projects that you find interesting or projects that you just thought of so that people can start working on. So a lot of developers were being brought in and then shoved into projects that would never see the light of day. Okay, so this was the infinite growth. The money faucet is being turned on and manage mid, middle managers trying to compensate for middle management, upper managers trying to manage the middle managers and et cetera, et cetera. That was happening on, on mass where Teams were working on different projects that probably would never generate income for that company. Okay. That with the higher interest rates, with the money faucets being turned off, that has come down to a slow crawl. And because of that, there's just not as many developer jobs to start working on skunkworks projects that don't intend to generate income. And I'm sure if you go to any of these larger companies, they will deny, deny, deny. But I've talked to a couple of developers that were in this situation. I've even talked to developers that were hired onto one of these companies. I'm not going to say which one. And then for about three months, were not put on a project. So they were being paid the ridiculous salaries without actually working on any significant work. Just because, again, crazy. infinite growth. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So that was happening, probably not on mass. I, I would, I very much, I, I don't think it was happening to like a significant portion, but it was happening for sure. Because again, I have talked to developers, one or two developers that have had that situation. Um, and then with the other thing with the market, boot camps had a huge rise in popularity during the pandemic which means that a lot of people were introduced into development through these bootcamp pipelines. So again, we're talking about saturating the market a little bit more with developers. 
So saturation is a big part of the problem with especially the junior developer market for getting into development, for getting your first job. Okay. The tech layoffs have also flooded the market, obviously, on all different levels, junior developer layoffs, senior developer layoffs, everything. Uh, and then even though we're not officially in a recession, quote unquote recession, it seems that some companies are starting to treat it like we're, we're having some economic turmoil, at least, and therefore are tightening their belts and preparing for economic downturn. Now, again, this is not... A, economic podcast. This is not financial advice and whatsoever. And I'm not even sure that there will be an economic downturn. But the reality is, is that some companies are treating it like there is going to be. And therefore, they're preparing by not over hiring. So again, a lot of whys, a lot of the, the landscape. This is like I just wanted to give you all the information that I could find on this subject. So again, you can make your own informed adjustments. But Having said all this, it's not that bad. I promise you it's not that bad. It's not impossible to get a job. It might be a little bit difficult, but it's definitely not impossible. I, I, I'd like to just chime in quickly in this this whole situation, like the why and the numbers and all the stuff that you said, reminds me of the Canadian real estate market. And I'm not going to rant about that because it's absolutely chaos and I'm sure there's a million and one analysis and articles and TikToks and everything else about it here. But uh, this reminds me of when the realtors started freaking out because, or at least I started hearing the realtors were freaking out because people weren't putting in massive offers way over asking price and going, you know, deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into debt because the real, the interest rates were low and they kept saying that there wasn't enough housing so like it's supply and demand. So everyone was like, look at one house. Is it shit? Well, oh, well, even if it floods and it's ro- and it's rotted and it's all it's all whatever, I'll pay 75 percent of my income to that. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hurry. Come on. Come on. And then that market started to go away and they kind of and the realtors kind of started freaking out. And I mean, anyone, I think, would be able to look at that and go, that was not typical. That was uh, I don't know if that's ever happened in history. Why would you hinge your income on an atypical situation. It was more or less a bubble. I think there might be an economic definition of a bubble. So I don't know if it was an official bubble, but like it certainly bubbled up, let's say. And there was a crazy situation, COVID, crazy housing prices, crazy cost of living here in Canada and blah, blah, blah. The list goes on to the point where it's like those people that were freaking out. I'm sorry, but you're foolish. It, it, it's, it's atypical. And we don't like we don't really see developer jobs get talked about as much like real real estate here in Canada is a huge thing gets talked about all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. So anyone, you know, that that basically read any articles knew this is going to eventually slow down. We don't know when or whatever. And so I think things are going to have to return to a, either a state of normal or a different state. Like this is a crazy state. And. It reminds me of this. The only down t- downfall of this is that real estate, at least here in Canada, isn't looked at as much as like a dev job. So we don't get to see all these market indicators like real estate here is talked about so much. We see market indicators, people talking about it, analysts going nuts about it, developers doing things, supply, demand. People are building houses, not building houses. We don't get that insight into the dev job. And so that same situation is happening kind of to me with the dev jobs where pe- where companies exploded and went crazy because it was literally at the same time as this housing uh, craziness here. 
and it, it just everything went nuts. And now they're contracting in the same way. But the unfortunate thing is, is that we don't we didn't have as much insight, not as many people talking about it because not everyone, not everyone is a developer, but most people need homes. It's just, there's literally the reason. Um, and not, not many companies are going to constantly divulge the, the housing prices and the or the the housing prices, the salary costs and those type of things. And so now we're seeing it and it's sort of like a hindsight's 2020. But unfortunately, with the housing, it was kind of something that at least I estimated would happen personally. I was like, OK, this is not going to this is this is like unsustainable. Like it's just it just literally mathematically is unsustainable with the devs. You know, you had some indicators, like Mike said, he knew some people that didn't get put on a, you know, a valuable or even a project, let's say. Um, right away or not at all. But now the tech layoffs and that makes sense. It makes more sense in hindsight. Um, and hopefully that crazy state and all the data we're getting now on layoffs, the market condition, you know, the list goes on, whatever is going to give us a better insight for future crazy situations that arise. Or if the same situation arises, the same market conditions arise again. This, this is just more uh, data points on the graph. That's the thing. And, and it's a good, it's a good analogy because it, it, it is very similar and it has a very similar effect, uh, on people, right? But, and it's not something we can like predict very well because we just, we, we never experienced anything like that before. So of course, as developers ourselves, we were, we got into this mindset that, Hey, we're, we're gods. Now we're just going to demand more and more money until we're making $10 million a year and everything's going to be fine. Right. Like I, I know, like even in my own head, I started to add up the numbers and being like, okay, well, after one year, you can make this much. After two years, you can make this much. It seems like the salaries are increasing exponentially when they were during that time because of the competition. But again, you have to bring it back to reality. Like a, a company can't afford to pay you more money than they're bringing in from you. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't receive like a 4X of what you're bringing them in, not Correct. over the long term. No, not over the long term. Maybe like, so it just doesn't add up. And, in the long term, you kind of – yes, it's great to make crazy salaries, but you also want some sort of consistency and longevity. Like you don't want to have to change companies every three months. And realistically, that, that's kind of what was happening during that time. It's like you were at a company for like three or four months and then you were getting headhunted so hard during the time that you were at Google, for instance, by Facebook that like you were just – it would make it would be stupid not to take that other job because they were offering you like 80% more than you were getting paid. And so like this constant, you know, going from one company to another company to another and like upping your salary at an exponential amount, great in the short term. But in the long term, how is that going to like, how are you ever going to get anything done? Right? Like, how are you, how is a company ever going to build anything at the, at, at the end of the day and actually create a, a product if all of their developers are constantly getting poached by every every other company. So like, it's just, it's a difficult situation. And I get the optimism that people were having at the time, but I also like, even in my own head, I was like, this can't happen. This can't go on. Like I'm not, I know as a developer, unless I own my own company, I'm probably not going to make $5 million like at the end of the day. Like I, I would need to do something else. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's great, but I am saying that it it's, inevitable that it, it, it happened. And even at this stage we're at right now, the layoffs were only like 10%, 15%. You know, they, they weren't that big compared to the overhiring that happened. So companies are still doing well. And a lot of times, like none of these companies really reported losses. 
So they're, yeah, they're, they overhired, then they course corrected a little bit. They're still making a ton of money. So the industry, like I'm, I'm getting to the point that it's not that bad. The industry is not that bad. There's still tech jobs to be had. Companies are still hiring. A lot of the companies that I said that have tech, that have hiring freezes, hiring freezes don't mean that they're completely done with hiring. They're just making sure not to overhire at this point. So when a job opportunity comes up and they need someone, they will hire still. Like even Twitter or X that, you know, laid off 50% of their workforce or even more, they still hire here and there. Like they're still bringing on developers and they're still bringing on tech people uh, when they need to. Okay. So that that's outside of that. But even other than that, there are other places to look for a tech job that aren't in tech. That's another thing that I wanted to point out to people is like, Companies need developers that aren't necessarily Twitter or Google or these massive tech, you know, industry companies, you know, a company like uh, a gas company, you don't think they need developers, they need a ton of developers, right? Retailers, the people like like uh, Walmart, something like that, they need a ton of developers, logistics companies, finance companies, they're not on hiring freezes. And a lot of their, their apps suck. Um, maybe not Walmart because they're pretty big, but uh, a lot of the times if you have like a gas company and they're like, oh, we have or maybe not, I was going to say an outage. I don't know of a gas outage, but maybe say like a um, electrical company, like your, your local electrical provider, your utility company, they usually will have an app, a web app that tells you where the outages are if there is an outage and you want to make sure that your outage has been reported. And those apps usually really, really suck. And it's because the developers that are good and the developers on mass, meaning literally like the majority of people want to go to these bigger companies or they want to be known. They work in tech, so they want to be with a tech company. But these other companies need techs and they a lot of them will have the budget. Some of them are government funded and things like that. They will have the budget. And so you're 100 percent right on that, Mike. Yeah. Not only do they have the budget, they might even be better because these larger companies are more way more established and they have way more. Uh, we want to work with in terms of like their work-life balance. These large tech companies, they're kind of the wild west still in terms of like, you might be working 12 hours, you might be working 17 hours, you might be working 10 hours. Like it depends on your manager and stuff like that. Whereas these larger non-tech retail companies, they have like, okay, you work, you know, nine to five and that's it. Like that's their standard, right? They might be unionized, whatever. And you might have a better time with one of these companies than you would with a tech company. So I would highly recommend looking at those jobs seriously right now, especially. Whereas like maybe before, like Matt said, it's not as sexy or whatever, but it is a very solid job in terms of work-life balance and potentially just longevity. Being able to stay there for a long time, there's less turnover. Some of these things might be unionized too. If like if you actually are a government employee working for some sort of utilities company, depending on however that's set up in your country. I mean, you might get like a super good benefits. You might literally not be yeah. allowed to work more than eight hours. Like, I mean, it's up to the union. It's up to your jurisdiction, of course, yada, yada. But like still. Exactly. So, yeah, that's a, I think that's a positive. And the doom and gloom mostly came, comes from the heightened expectations due to the infinite hiring that I was talking about. Like the, the machine of hiring nonstop for Skunk Works projects and just continual growth. All other times outside of this bubble, quote unquote, uh, it was always difficult to find a job. 
Like it was always like you always have to apply to a bunch of places. You always have to go to interviews. It was always complaints on Reddit and Stack Overflow and everything about how hard it is. And that that's what we've kind of come back to. We've come back to more of the norm than we've come back to like a worse state. Right. Like it's there's still plenty of opportunities. It's a little bit or not even a little bit. I don't want to minimize the difficulty that people are going through because I know of some people that, you know, sent out 200 resumes, only got like three interviews or whatever. I know of some horror stories in the situation. But having said that, I knew of horror stories in the situation 10 years ago. The exact same ones, 200 resumes, all that. Like there was always this like ebb and flow of being able to be hired and not hired. And it's always kind of like been a right time, right place situation where you apply to the right company and you have a good interview and then you get into the job. And the initial grind of getting into that company is difficult. So yes, it's come back to being difficult. We had, we even had it, if we even look at it, not even in the sort of the free market, but in terms of like a really condensed market, when we were doing co-ops, Mike, like you and I were in a Along with our classmates, were in co-op classes that prepped you. They they said these are the resumes that these people are expecting. This is the uh, it's like a monster or like a like an Indeed, but it's for this college only. This is the the job market uh, so- software thing that you that you use to apply. Uh, this is how they want a cover letter if they want a cover letter, and everything was super controlled. And they would proofread the things that you submitted to them and. We even saw it where we would apply to the same things as other people and somebody would just get completely screwed and just find nothing for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. But then other people would get every interview in the book and it's sort of like, okay, like everyone here is new. Everyone here is passing. Uh, the grades aren't even in yet, so we can't exactly say our GPA. Uh, everything was proofread by the same people and you're applying on the same job market, eating the little web app that you're applying on why are some of the people not doing well and some of the people are? And it's, and there maybe is a reason, but it's one of those things where it sucks. Like it just, it sucks for that person. And, and those, those, that type of stuff always happens. I don't really know. How, I don't really know how else you get out of it other than this. You're on the grind now, but. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You're just on the grind. The best ways to get out of it are the West, the best ways to get up before network, 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 and upskill, upskill, upskill. Right. Like just keep getting better, keep getting building your portfolio and keep networking as much as possible. We have plenty of episodes. Maybe, Matt, we can link some down below uh, or not down below, but like in the show notes that will help you upskill and help you uh, help you with the mentality of networking and stuff like that. But that's the best way to get in. And it was before and it is now um, applying to every job you see that uh, like makes sense for you and going to all the interviews, going through that grind. It's unfortunate because it is really difficult, but that's what it was. Like it did not, it didn't really change much since then. Um, the other thing that's happening right now is a lot of applicants are really underqualified. So when you're applying and you see like on Indeed or LinkedIn that there's a thousand people that have applied to a job, I, from my understanding, most of those people are just way underqualified. Like they're applying just to apply. Um, they might've done like some online course and they're, they think they're ready to go and maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but like, just because there is a thousand applicants, I wouldn't say don't apply because you might be the one that they're looking for. Like you might have that, you know, extra one year experience or extra, you know, boot camp experience that someone else didn't have. So apply, 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 because you might be the applicant that is actually qualified for the job that is on the job description. And it's not that not saying qualified as in like you meet every criteria. I'm just saying you could probably get past the interview process. 
You might also have something on the on the uh, resume that they're thinking of but didn't write down. Like if you write down like I have Shopify experience that and that's just on the resume, but it's not on the job listing at all. They might be like, oh, well, a- actually, like sometimes we're a little shorthanded on Shopify. Like this person would be nice to have in case someone goes on vacation. We could like put them on the Shopify team for a couple of days or whatever, or like add their uh, add them to the DLs or whatever. Really, like that could be the the, the like the trigger that could be the ticket. Absolutely. That's the thing. Like, so it, it just, it, you need to put yourself out there. You need to get through the doom and gloom and you need to continue to push forward in this market. I'm, I'm just saying we're back to a more norm than we are to a low. So it's a good time to keep going because the ebbs and flows come. Like we're, we might be at a norm now. Maybe we'll go down a little bit more to a low at some point, but then eventually we're going to get to a high as well. Eventually, hiring probably will increase even more. So if you give up now and you don't go through the grind, then it's going to be a situation where you're not going to get to the high point where you maybe could switch a job and make another 80% on your salary or whatever. So I don't – again, it is difficult. There's no doubt about that. It is harder than it was two years ago or three years ago, but it's not impossible. And it's not something that is irregular in the grand scheme of things as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is, I mean, it, it just, it's one of those things that kind of sucks. Like it's an open-ended sort of solution because the, the solution is going to be different for everybody. But at the end of the day, they have to just go on, go on and just keep going. Cause the more that you apply, the more practice you're getting. And what I mean by individual solution is obviously I'm saying everyone just go ahead and apply. It sounds like one solution, but your solution might be that your cover letter writing sucks. Another person's solution might be that they have a typo on their resume that they never notice. Another person might, like Mike said, they might think that they're qualified because they took some sort of boot camp for a senior developer role. And that's absolutely not what they're supposed to be applying to. And the list goes on and on and on. So, you know, just keep applying, keep getting better and practice at it. Uh, and I mean, the only thing that I, I'm going to note is that it really sucks when you have to apply to places and you have to fill out like 700,000 forms, <laughs> it takes friggin' forever and answer like an HR thing, then this, then that. And this is before the interview. And then it's just sort of like, thank you. And then you never hear anything. Those are friggin' horrible. And uh, yep. I don't wish that on anyone. No, I don't wish on anyone, but it's something that you have to go through, like filling out the same information that's on your resume 15 million times into forms. It sucks. And I'm sorry you have to do that and take breaks. Don't grind it out. Don't grind it out to the point where like your mental health suffers significantly. When you're at the point where you just can't do it anymore, don't. Take a break. Do something else. Upskill. And on on the topic of upskilling, like when you want to take a break from resumes, we do have a affiliated link for Scrimba. Scrimba is a education platform. It has kind of an interactive boot boot camp, an interactive uh, code editor where you can go in and definitely take any courses anywhere from HTML and CSS all the way to advanced React courses that help you, that will help you get your first job. I can almost guarantee that as long as you see them through. And we have a 10% discount on top of whatever else the discount is at the time. So if the discount is a 50% discount currently, we'll add a 10% on top of that. If you go to our affiliate link, which is tinyurl.com slash scrimba hat, and that's spelled S-C-R-I-M-B-A for scrimba, and then H-A-T-T for hat. So tinyurl.com slash scrimba hat. Again, that's an affiliate link. We will get a kickback if you sign up through that link, but I, I recommend it. 
I recommended it to my wife. I recommended it to a bunch of friends and they've all loved kind of the platform and I've been able to learn a lot in the web development space using this platform. Perfect. Yeah. And that, that information is also available on our website as well. If you are curious, it's also going to be in the show notes as well. If you, if you're, if you just want to click a link instead of typing it in, uh, absolutely. And I mean, I guess that pretty much concludes the episode. But if you do want to support episodes like this and you don't want to get, if you don't want to get scrimba, you can support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com, Tim from the Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale, Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com, Gunner Brunette via gunnerbrunette.com, and Watoto Coding via watotocoding.com, and Garrett Segal as well. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform you're listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things, signing off.